How's it going, everybody? This is Alex Caceres, and you're listening to Story of the Fight. Hey, what up, Toasty? What's up, man? Good to see you. Nice to see you too, brother. Hey, thanks for filling in. So everybody knows, my name is Romero. That's our boy, Toasty. And this is Story of the Fight, where we talk all things mixed martial arts. Usually, it's my boy, Will, the co-host, right? That uh, he's he's not available right now. He's out of town. Yeah. Uh, you shrunk Will down and just... <laughs> Made him better looking and tougher. Yeah. I don't know about that. <laughs> He's married. Hey, no, but, but thanks for joining us, Tosi. Really appreciate it. Uh, and man, a couple things. First, the background. Always love the background. Got to have both of your belts there. Right? Repping. Each one gets the, its own chair. <laughs> and then the Portugal flag, dude. Always repping, bro. Still in the World fighter. Cup. Yeah, they will be until the end. Yes. Uh so your boy here cheering Mexico on, you know, and then, uh, at, yeah, after they, they don't even make it out of the knockout round, I start crying and I pull my jersey off and underneath my Mexico jersey, there's a USA jersey. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Now I'm just <laughs> repping the Cowboys jersey today, dude. As soon as this is over, we'll stick with well, that. At least they're doing well. Yeah, true, true. I, but I hey, can't man. wear my black and gold. Oh, you're a Steelers fan? Yeah, it's, it's not good this year. That's rough, man. They, they've gone through a good streak, though, man. Mike Tomlin, I mean, I think this might be his first losing season as a head coach, so. Why, why you got to use the jinx like that? <laughs> hey, dude, that's, that's the way they're treading. That's the way they're treading. But, hey, the reason that we are here today is to talk MMA. And last night, uh, UFC fight night, Wonderboy Thompson versus Kevin Holland, man. Are you ready to start talking about some of these fights? Absolutely. All right, man. Hey, so let's go ahead and just get started right now with Stephen Wonderboy Thompson versus Kevin Holland. Holy smokes. Hey, you, you know how like every once in a while you'll get a couple strikers and they're like, hey, let's just have a gentleman's agreement that nobody is going to go ahead and shoot. Nobody's going to go for a takedown. And then like in the first round, like somebody goes for a takedown. Like in this fight, they make this gentleman agreement like, hey, we're not going to wrestle. And they stay true to the word up until about the fourth round. I mean, when you have a broken hand at almost halfway through the first and you make it all the way to the fourth without taking a shot, that's pretty admirable. That's super impressive, man. And, yeah, so you mentioned the broken hand, right? We have uh, Kevin Holland and Wonderboy Thompson in the first round. They're going at it. You know, I thought Kevin Holland did such a good job, like, closing the distance because Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, that karate stance, is so good at getting in and out because he's so light on his feet. And so he has this little, like, this little hop step where he gets in with a high knee to try to block uh, Stephen Thompson from blitzing in, and then he tries to land a couple things, you know, himself. He already has long reach as it is, man, but with that hop step, he was able to close the distance really quick that first round. Yeah, he, he's super lengthy. Uh, there was a couple like really lengthy guys on this card, and you noticed yeah. every single one of those fights where they're using that reach very well. And Kevin Holland was doing it up until like the midway of the second. Yep, yep, absolutely, man. And you know, uh, there was a couple times where he came in with that little high knee that I was talking about, like that little hop step, and uh, Thompson would time it with a straight right, right down the pipe. But Kevin Holland, man, is so tough. And we've known this about Kevin Holland, and I think he really showcased this last night. By the way, his hair, fantastic. 
My wife's like, what happened? It looks like they didn't finish. I was like, well, you know, it's like he went to the barbershop. And they're like, do you want braids or do you just want us to go with the fro? And he said, yes. Yes. Just yes to both. And <laughs> it was a perfect straight down the middle. And from one angle, it looks like he's wearing a, a Spartan helmet. Did you notice that? It was Yeah, sick. a little bit. I was down with it. Uh, I do think that the braids on the right side of his head were what yep. gave uh, Thompson that cut at the beginning, too. So, like, Ooh. they came together quite a lot. And the head clash? Uh, I think it was, like, yeah, the third when they clashed heads. But at the beginning of the first, uh, when they came up against Cage at the very beginning, the braids were, like, right on that spot where uh, Thompson got that cut. And I think yeah. that's probably what did it. Strategic, maybe. He's like, hey, give me a weapon on my right side. I'll come <laughs> in with the right side of my head. No, but, man. And then wipe it off round, to the left. Yeah, exactly. Um, that first round, though, man, was so crazy. And, you know, Holland on one of those catches Stephen Thompson, or Wonderboy Thompson with that right, and sits him on his ass. And at that point, were you thinking, like, hey, Holland's probably going to be able to finish this pretty quickly or a perfect timing, Rich? <laughs> no, nah, I didn't I didn't think it was gonna be quick. Thompson is never somebody who like just goes out. He'll he'll mm -hmm. fight it out no matter where he is, whether it's on the ground or, or it's up. He's quick to get up. I mean, all karate guys are like springs, they just pop right up. Yeah. Um, and then also what doesn't help out Thompson in terms of like the judges viewing it is he goes back and forward a lot and he's off the mat. So, like, every time he gets caught, he's already going back. Mm. And while he is getting caught and he's probably dropping, he's also, like, falling a lot. Yeah. Okay, so it's almost like in a way, like, rolling with a punch, you're saying, but it, with larger movement. By the way, do yeah. you see that guy in the background with a cowboy hat in Orlando? <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude, I'm digging it. No, yeah, so um, that's a really good point. I didn't really think about that because he's already lighting on his feet. He's already moving back. So as he gets caught, maybe he gets caught off balance a little bit. Yeah, I think back. it was the third or the fourth where the – or not the judges, uh, the commentary booth were, like, going crazy. Like, oh, my God, he dropped him. And I'm like, he fell. And then they showed yeah. the clip again, and they were like, oh, yeah, he fell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Wonder Boy only – if I remember correctly, he's only been knocked out once in his career. That was against Anthony Pettis where he had that Superman punch where he bounced off the cage. Mm -hmm. And that was insane. But that's the only time that I've really seen Wonder Boy Thompson, like, seriously hurt. Because here, yes, he got knocked on his ass. And you could see it, man. When he got clocked, he did that little thing with his eyes where he, like, looked off to the, the side. Yeah, and it was like, what is going on? But like you said, man, bounces off the cage, bounces off his ass, gets right back up. And, dude, the recovery for this, uh, what is he, 39, 40, something like that? Yeah, he's about to turn 40. Yeah, man. Uh, the recovery is super impressive. And he is fast. He's elusive. You even have Kevin Holland uh, when he went into the second round, and you could hear him, you know, he's like, man, this – this guy's fast. This old man's fast. Yeah. This <laughs> but uh, dude, it was a super exciting fight, man. And, you know, as the fight continued to go on, one of the things uh, that they were talking about is the fact that Kevin Holland was blocking those head kicks with his right hand, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it was DC that was like, man, if you're able to block it with your lead hand and it hits the palm, it's a lot better than hitting the back of your hand, hitting your knuckles. And uh, – Kevin Holland said, hey, you know, my hand was pretty hurt after the first round. Uh, you definitely saw it in the second round, though, where, like, he's in a stance, and it, he wasn't making a fist anymore. It was just open, and he'd, like, shake it every once in a while, right? And yep. I was like, oh, man, here we go. And every at, at disengagement. That point, that's just, 
That, that was his biggest weapon, the right hand. Yeah, that and the forward pressure. Like um, him and then the fight against uh, Levy and Valdez, mm-hmm. whenever you're going forward and back and you're using a lot of kicks, the best way to stop that is just get inside and don't let them get their leg up. So the first round, Kevin Holland was doing that a lot, and he was getting a lot off. But when you don't have a right hand to go in with, it's hard to commit just going in with your left. Yeah, but, man, what a fun fight. And and there was a few times, right, where they, they scramble a little bit and they end up on the ground. And the very first one, I think it was Kevin Holland, where he steps back and says, you know, get up. And uh, Wonderboy laughs and gives him a high like five. Not even a second to think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, but dude, it was just so fun watching these two guys. They laugh, they talk to each other, they give a little high five. Now the the, the attitude from Holland changed a little bit. Late third round, early fourth, he wasn't smiling as much, you know. And you, you could see he was in trouble. And um, you know, as much as he was joking, telling uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, he's like, "Man, slow down, slow down." <laughs> it's like, man, he put you know in his head, he really wished, like, man, I, I dude, calm down a little bit. you're throwing a lot at me from every different angle i thought he did such a good job mixing it up dude you know those kicks to the body oh my god yeah that one rich again there man yeah how did that man stay standing he got no knockdowns until the very end man i i don't know and it's just it so many uh oh so much respect should be going out to kevin holland uh you know bisbing was going off saying like hey uh, you know, not really impressed with his performance. This is mixed martial arts. You know, he should have mixed it up a lot more. And but there's got to be respect. That's tossed Kevin Holland's way, man. Like he he gave Wonder Boy everything he could handle that first round. He breaks his hand, like you said. For anybody to break their hand in the first round, and they make it all the way to the fourth round through the fourth round. And you know, he didn't get dropped until the very end. It, man, props to to Kevin. Adrenaline doesn't last for like 20 minutes, so he's feeling that for a while. Yeah, and also and the body kicks. Yeah, and and to Michael Bisping, bro, like, yeah, they're fighters, but you fought without an eye. Like, <laughs> let him let him do what he wants. Yeah, and we're in the entertainment business. He's entertaining us. He's one of the most entertaining fighters on the roster, both yeah. from the the way that he talks, uh, his lead ups, his build ups. He's a hilarious guy. He's a likable guy. He's a superhero outside of mixed martial arts where he stops crime in real life. Oh, if you don't yeah. know about that. Yeah. Anybody that doesn't know about that, just Google Kevin Holland stopping crime and you'll find and there's maybe more like four. Than four. Yeah. <laughs> it's like crazy. And, uh, and on top of that, when he's in the octagon, man, he's willing to leave it all out there. You know, he's given us some really exciting fights like the, the, the KO against Jacare off his back. Where he KOs him? Come on. I, that that knockout, I love it. And it also frustrates me so bad that Buckley got the KO of the year over that. I'm like, oh yeah. I, I get that that was a cool kick. But if you take into consideration that Jacare looks like a massive human being compared to Kevin Holland, and he knocked him out from the like Bob. He, yep. From the bottom, he's underneath him, smacks him. He's like, "Oh, he's out," and just stands up and just murders him. Now, uh, dude, he had one of the best twenty twenties, right? He fights Anthony Hernandez. Uh, he stops Anthony Hernandez. Fights jo- Joaquin Buckley, drops him, wins a, a decision, a split decision over uh, Darren the Dentist Stewart. 
beats Charlie Ontiveros, uh, beats Jacare. So he has five fights in 2020, man. It, it, he just skyrockets games. his popularity, right? And then he starts going up in, in competition, right? He fights Derek Brunson, fights Marvin Vittori. Uh, you know, he loses to Hamza Shimaev later on, which, I mean, let's be real, Hamza is, is an absolute killer right now, and loses Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. So my question to you right now, is do you see him ever stepping into that next level, that next, uh, you know, like the echelon of uh, who are considered the premier fighters in either Walter weight or uh, middleweight? I mean, yes, but it all just depends on his attitude. I mean, like Michael was saying, if you do a little bit more MMA, like throughout the fight, I think he definitely wins a few of those fights. Um, but he's definitely got to put some weight on a bit, like some, some muscle. He's, I don't think him versus Marvin is a good matchup in terms of like size wise. Yep. Um, especially when you can't wrestle, uh, but he is talented. He's, he's got the cardio for days. He's got chin and like the way, the, the manner to take punches, he's not going to go out, but I don't know. And he maybe, doesn't have maybe like a very, a- uh, normal, like attack style, right? Like he he's a yeah. kung fu fighter. He says, uh, and very much like Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, where you don't find very many fighters at that level as good as Stephen Wonderboy Thompson with his karate, right? So fighters when they go in and they get prepared for Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, it's it's a little difficult. I think it's the same for Kevin Holland, where he's a little unorthodox. It, it's sort of like fighting uh, Michelle Pereira. Like yes. you, you don't know what you're getting when you get in there, and it could be. I'm going to win or I'm going to show up. Well, well, you know, you're not going to get wrestling. You at least know that. <laughs> Especially when like through all his uh, interviews, he's like, I can't wrestle. Yeah. <laughs> dude, he's, he's so funny, man. I just, he's that's so one of the things upfront. I love about Kevin Holland. He's exactly. He's very upfront. He's upfront about the people he's fighting. He'll say, Hey, I don't like him, you know, and this is what I don't like about him, but he's also very self-aware. He knows what he's good at. He knows what his strengths are and he knows what his opportunities are. And the, the tough thing is, um, how, how long have you been wrestling, Toasty? Uh, since middle school? Since middle school, right? So you've been wrestling since middle school. For somebody that goes into mixed martial arts, that haven't wrestled their entire life, they focus on striking their entire life, and then the last two years, they started wrestling. And they wrestle every single day, Toasty. It's a part of their regimen, right? Can they ever get to the level of somebody that's been wrestling since – elementary school, middle school, all the way through MMA, do you think it's still possible for them? If that other person stopped? Like, <laughs> but that, like if they were right? like, oh, I'm just going to not train wrestling anymore, then maybe he could catch up. But, but if you had that person that's been training since middle school, all the way through mixed martial arts, they don't stop, and then you had this guy that just started training a couple years ago, it, it's tough, right? Yeah, unless you're in like – the Olympic uh, training Academy or around Jordan Burroughs or like Kyle Dakes of the world, uh, Ed Ruth's. Yeah. You're not really gonna maybe MMA wrestling, but if you focus on like wrestling, wrestling, there's just no way. Like I'm never, I'm never going to catch up to those people. And, And that's what makes it so tough for me. When I think about Kevin Holland, possibly stepping up to that next level, that next tier of fighters, I think that he definitely belongs in the top 15. I think there's a lot of fun fights from the top 15. Um, but when I take a look at the vi- the division here, let me pull it up real quick. At the welterweight division, uh, in the top 15, you have D-Rod. That's a fun matchup. 
mm-hmm. right? That's a, that's a really fun too. matchup. Yep. Uh, Michelle Pajeda, that's another fun matchup there. Uh, now we start going into Kiesa, which I, I still think Holland has a good chance against Kiesa, but Kiesa has that uh, wrestling and that jiu-jitsu background as well. Uh, and, hey, let's not throw out that uh, Kevin Holland is a black belt in jiu-jitsu also, right? Travis Luter, a black belt in jiu-jitsu. So he's like uh... – Okay. <laughs> uh, but then after that, it gets – Okay. I mean, you have Jorge Masvidal. That's a that's a good fight. It is, but you have Rockmanov, Sean Brady, Jeff Neal. Yeah, uh, Wonderboy Thompson. No. Uh, Gilbert Burns, who can wrestle and, and uh, is a jiu-jitsu practitioner. Bilal Muhammad, don't even talk about that fight. It, it's, <laughs> it'd be crazy. So it, it'd be, I think it'd be very tough for him to stay in the top 10. It just depends on who the UFC gives him, but yeah, it would be hard. Yeah, because I think that's the thing, right? Once you get into the top 15, like outside of the top 15, you know what? Let's set you up with some fun matchups. Let's see who's available. Let's set you up with some fun matchups. When you're in the top 15, as soon as you break into that top 15, it's like, okay, well, who else is in the top 15 that you're going to be fighting, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's like I'm if I'm the UFC, I'm not just going to leave you in the 15th spot. Like we have to see what we got in you, and we have to continue putting you up against number 14, 13, 10. Especially when you consider that the UFC doesn't like – to give people who are like at the end of their contracts opportunities to like boost themselves yep. so that they can get better contracts. It's just sort of like their business plan. So yeah. I don't think that Kevin Holland's going to get beneficial matchups here in like the next three fights. Ah, uh, man. Well, we'll see what happens with Kevin Holland. Either way, it was a fun fight, uh, fight of the night. Uh, you know, in, in recency bias, you always hear, especially this close to the end of the year where they're like, maybe fight of the year. There's been a lot of really great fights this year. Yeah, but uh, th- this, I think, is definitely going to be in the conversations of uh, mm-hmm. one of the best fights of the year. I think if I had to predict, uh, I think it'll get like third place. And that's fair. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, do you have anything else on that fight? Um, if you have one fight to watch on the card to go back, especially since it's a free fight, that would be the one. 100%, man. 100%. All right. Uh, we do have, I think it's like 12 fights to cover. Hey, some of these are pretty quick, you know, but uh, we'll go through them. Uh, we have RDA Rafael Dos Santos versus Brian Barberena. Uh, dude, Rafael Dos Santos, man. I feel like ever since I started watching MMA, like I've heard of Rafael Dos Santos. Yeah. And unfortunately, he's always going to be connected to some of these people that have fan bases that are like, that's the guy and you're garbage. Like, mm-hmm. the fact that he fell out of the Connor fight is such an asterisk on his, like, media presence or whatever. People are going to be like, oh, but he felt he ran away from Connor, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I don't think RDA is running from anyone. He's a monster, man. He's an absolute, absolute monster. monster. And uh, the, the thing with RDA is that he's, okay, his record, 32 and 14 now after that win. So it's 46 fights, 46 fights. This guy has seen it all. He's been in there with almost everybody. He's fought the who's who. And, and this has made him such a crafty veteran that when you have somebody like a Brian Barberena, right, uh, there's I don't think there's much that a Brian Barberena can throw Rafael Dos Anjos way that he hasn't already seen. Yep. Right? So, and then uh, he's, uh, he even went in after in the post fight, and he was like, yeah, he's so big. And it's like RDA has seen huge people and fought huge people. So it's not anything new to him. Nothing he new, exactly man. What and, to do. 
but I, I think this is just a case of Barbarina, uh, you know, biting off more than he could chew. This is a big jump for Barbarina in talent level. Uh, RDA, uh, was RDA, let me see, is he even ranked? I don't remember. I don't think so anymore. But that's because he hasn't yeah. fought. Oh, in yeah, he long, is. He's seventh. Long. Seventh lightweight. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh, in, in the lightweight division, he's ranked seventh. He hasn't fought in like a year and a half or something like that, right? I don't know, man. I feel like it's been a minute since I've seen him. Now, that's at the lightweight. So he wasn't ranked in welterweight, and this fight was at 170. So that's probably oh, why we didn't see a ranking yeah, next yeah, to his name. Right, right. Uh, but either way, man, we're talking about, like I said, uh, uh, who I think – somebody who I consider to be one of the legends in MMA. Uh, and you're Brian Barberina. You're known for some of your street brawls, you know, that you you have going into the octagon. And like I said, Rafael Dos Anjos a little too crafty for that. Uh, and – you see like the, the clinch and the underhooks against the cage with RDA and the simple inside leg trip that he did in that first round. And I was like, man, that was almost too easy. Second round goes back to the well, man. Underhooks, pins him up against the cage, single uh, inside leg trip, back down. And I was like, oh, man, this I don't think it's going to go beyond there. And it didn't, man. Yeah, un unfortunately, I think uh, the fight with Robbie was probably um... – a detriment to Barbarina in this fight. I mm. think he thought it was going to be a lot like that. And RDA was going to feed into like the brawl type of mentality. And RDA is not, he's a yeah. jujitsu master. He's going to go down and do what he needs to do to win the fight. Yeah, dude, he, he's uh he's fantastic, man. I still enjoy watching him fight. I still get excited when I see his name on one of the cards. Uh, so I'm, I'm hoping that we see him make another run here. Now I'm wondering with this fight having been at 170, is he just like overcutting weight? Like can't really make 155 anymore? And he's saying like, hey, I'm going to try to make a, a, another run at 170. I don't know. I guess we'll we'll have to wait and see. I think there was a time a year or two ago where he said uh, he was considering retiring because he couldn't make the weight at 55. Mm. And that's probably what made him jump up. But it's, uh, it's a question on whether or not, again, the UFC is going to give him matchups that are going to ladder him up to that top yeah and man uh that first round i think this is the image of the first round there where he almost sinks in uh they had an arm choke and uh unfortunately for him the side that he needed to move over to was the right side right up against the cage right so he couldn't really uh get enough of leverage there and, and squeeze to be able to get barbarina out but uh he was just too much for barbarina on the ground yeah, even when he got in the mount, I was like, um, the commentary were like, oh, he's so close, he's so close. And I'm like, unless he gets over to that side, like, you're either going to get it, like, immediately. Like, if they're going to tap, they're just going to tap. Or you're going to get one of those guys that, like, oh, I have an inch or a centimeter on my carotid artery. I think I can survive. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's what happened because the squeeze seemed pretty tight. But with it, without that additional leverage, uh, it – it was enough for Barbarina to just be able to survive, like you said, hanging it's on by a thread. Beard. Keeps you alive. <laughs> Any extra space it could give you, huh? Oh, man. And uh, there it is, man. Uh, so RDA finished it with a, a rear naked choke. Didn't really seem like he had it under the chin. Um, but uh, as you all well know, man, it can turn into a neck crank sometimes. And if that arm is right across your mouth, your nose, cranking at your neck you at the exact same time, time, for sure, man. For sure. So, uh, you know, uh, another finish for RDA in his career, man. Another. RDA with the RNC. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, man. Uh, ready to move on to the next one? Absolutely.
Let's do it. All right. We had Mateus Nikolau versus Matt Danger Schnell. So I, I have this running thing on the podcast, man, where like I've said for the longest time, I don't feel like uh, Matt Schnell should really be ranked where he's at, you know, and so whenever I'm like, hey, somebody needs to break into the top five, uh, 15, like, hey, put him up against Matt Schnell. Uh, but in this last fight that Matt Schnell had, uh, which was an absolute barn burner, man, uh, against Sumadarji, he earned my respect and a lot of other people's respect out there, right? So uh, going into this, I was like, hey, you know, he had to shave his head, had to shave his uh, luscious uh, chest hair to be able to make weight. Uh, he's coming in a new man. We'll see what he gives uh, Mateus Nicolau. Uh, not much of a contest though. Yeah, that was sort of like why I picked him. I was like, oh, he had he had to shave his head to make weight. Maybe he'll be like super, super dedicated for this. And also, I kind of am not a big fan of how Nicolau fights. Like, I understand mm -hmm. it and it's super effective. But at the same time, I'm not a big fan of the like, hey, let me run, let me run, let me run, punch. Hey, let me run, let me run, let me run punch. It's, it's sort of like a non-entertaining version of Stephen Thompson, for me at least. Yeah, yeah, and because uh, he is a huge counter puncher, right? And he is willing to wait a lot more than most other fighters uh, to to have any action. Uh, man, with th this is probably one of the worst matchups that Matt Snell could have had in the division because Snell and I noticed in his, in his last fight he has a big tell on when he's going to strike, and I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but he he when he faints. He takes two small shuffle steps and drops left, right with his head movement and stands back up. Two little shuffle steps, left, right, stands back up. So if you're Mateus Nicolau, like I don't know if you noticed it, like you said, he was waiting to throw that straight right. And so like you'd see Schnell like shuffle, shuffle, and Nicolau would catch him with a, a straight right. And then when he's going to throw an actual punch, he has a big step, plants the left, and then will come in with a hook either left or right hook. Nikolau had his timing down since the very beginning. If he would shuffle in for a, a feint, he'd go with a straight right. If Schnell would take a big step and plant, he would counter with a, a big right hook of uh, of his own. And uh, I was like, dude, this is – it's too easy for Nikolau. Yeah. Um, I, I don't really have a lot on this one. There was just – it was just a matter of like the same thing every single time. And you would think that – Schnell would listen to his corner a bit more. Um, but, you know, it, it gets frustrating when you're in there and, like, you just cannot achieve what you think you can achieve. Like, you're just trying to do the same thing over and over and it's just, like, not working. You would try to change it, but at the same time, sometimes you just get frustrated and you bang your head against a wall or a fist. Yeah. <laughs> or fists. Yeah, man. Uh, so, Nikolai with a, a big finish, man. Uh, the first time that he dropped him, he hit him right on the forehead, as you see here. Uh, dropped Chanel a little bit. Did a good job surviving that one. And that last one, there where, was a lot uh, of temple he, shots. Like they're right was. on that temple, a lot of them. And uh, that last shot that actually took Snell out was like right behind, uh, like his ear, kinda like on top of his ear. Uh, discombobulated after that falls, and then uh, Nikolai with the ground and pound to finish it out. So uh, tough loss for Matt Snell. Now falls to sixteen and eighteen. Uh, Mateus Nikolai though, man, continues climbing. Exciting or not, nineteen and two now. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I don't really know who you give either one of them to. Um, I don't really even know who's above Nikolau in the rankings. But, yeah, I, I don't really know, like, who's going to want to take that fight for a while. 
Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, the UFC is definitely going to have to force uh, Nicolau on somebody, though. I, I think he is going to be one of those guys where he's like, hey, I don't really want to fight him. It's going to be like a Ryan Hall situation. Yes. Yes. Good example. Good example. All right, man. Um, since you don't have much on that fight anymore, I've pretty much had all uh, my two cents that I had to say on that one. We can move on to uh, Sergey Bavlovich versus Taito Ivasa. This is where really the main heartbreak started for me, man. Because I'm a Taito Ivasa fan. You know? <sighs> yeah. That was very, it was a very sad minute and a half. <laughs> very, very it sad. was, man. And you know, um, uh, on the, the the picks, man, I picked uh, I picked a Wonder Boy Thompson to win. Okay, by the way, your boy last night went twelve and fourteen. Just so you yeah, know, that's why you pick with pick. your head and not your heart, because I was <laughs> wrong the whole time. Oh man, but I, I picked Wonder Boy Thompson, even though Kevin Holland's a Fort Worth boy, uh, he's repping you know the local city over here, uh, and on this one here. I still pick Taito Ivasa, even though Pavlovich has been on a Terry 17 and one. Uh, I want to say that the only loss uh, that he has is to Uberim, uh, also known as Oberim. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. With Taito Ivasa, I thought if Pavlovich is willing to exchange, Taito Ivasa is very dangerous when he's hurt. Right. And we saw this again last night when Sergei Pavlovich landed a couple of big shots, had Taito Ivasa hurt. And there was a time where he just lands a big right hook while he's sitting off the cage. And I was like, okay, there we go. You know, when he fought Greg Hardy, it was the exact same thing. He was hurt when he was leaning back, puts up a big hook, wild hook, catches Hardy, Hardy's out. Now, Pavlovich, we're talking leaps and bounds above Hardy. But still, I thought, you know, if Ty lands, he has a shot to put uh, Pavlovich out, man. What do you think of this fight? Yeah, it it's one of those things where any heavyweight – or any heavyweight shape like either one of these two guys, if they connect, it kind of just goes out. But you can't you can't bet on that the whole time if you're fighting somebody who also does the same thing. So tough, man. And you know, you see the uh the difference in in boxing and just how crisp the boxing was for Pavlovich. And I think there's a, a picture, right, where you see Ty Tug also coming in with a wide right. And Pavlovich is like, okay, if you're coming in wide, man, I'll get to you first with this straight left, you know? And so he's slipping and hitting him with the straight left. And like Ty's arm is still like out here, like probably still like a foot away from even reaching uh, Pavlovich. And I was like, man, that, that's pretty much the entire fight, man. Pavlovich is so much faster than the target. I... Oh, go for it. Sorry. No, that was it. Uh, I was just saying Pavlovich is just so much faster than the target. It, it's also another bad thing that Ty does whenever he's hurt he looks at the floor and just swings so even <laughs> if like he was going to connect like like oh, right there, there he's looking right at the floor and pavlovich is looking right <gasps> at the target like yep. if you were going to make connect or make a contact somebody looking right at the target going straight it's like half the time it's got to go yeah man and uh I mean, Ty got beat up on this one, you know, when he was uh, sitting uh, down against the cage and, and the ref stops it and the, the camera zooms in on, uh, on Ty and you just see his nose was busted up. Uh, he was bleeding from his cheek. It was just uh, not a good look, man. And it, Ty has such a big fan uh, base now. Huge fan base. Why did he do that to us, Rich? 
But uh, in classic Thai fashion, man, big old smile on his face at the end, you know, congratulating his opponent, uh, his uh, Instagram, uh, you know, he goes out and says, hey, I'm sorry to let everybody down. Thank you so much, my fans. Hey, you know, classic Thai uh, fashion. Uh, might, might not be doing any shoeies uh, last night. Might have not, but he'll get him on the next one. No. Yeah, it, it was also very interesting in the post fight. I didn't know Pavlovich had uh, trained with uh, DC, so it was pretty cool to know that both opponents sort of trained with the same people. Ty, when COVID had started, mm -hmm. was over here and literally had to leave the country before he got shut in. He was training with DC, and Pavlovich used to train with DC back in the day, so it's sort of like DC's little little uh, cadets. <laughs> DC's uh, like minions. Disciples. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there <laughs> now, you go. That's the word. This should move um, Sergey Pavlovich to fourth in the rankings, which puts it at Sergey Pavlovich, Curtis Blades, Stepe Miocic, Cyril Gon, and Francis Ngannou. Uh, I, John I Jones, call that the roadblock. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, John Jones is going to fall somewhere in that mix, right? We don't know. They were, they were talking Miocic versus John Jones for a while. Uh, that's fallen off. Uh, Miocic had a loss in the family recently, so I, I think his head somewhere else. Uh, so uh, the conversation is now back on Ngannou versus John Jones. So we'll see what happens there. But from that, oh, Tom Aspinall. If you ask me, I put Tom Aspinall in front of Tai Tuivasa as well. Yeah, for sure. But the problem is you don't know how long that knee injury is going to take him out. I mean, Nico Price, who we're going to talk about eventually, like had to be out for what a year and a half because of his knee. So yeah. we'll see. And so for me. I put Tom Aspinall, like you said, I don't know how long he's going to be out, but I still put him in front of Tai Tuivasa as far as like uh, uh, his skill sets, you know, and I think his potential within the division. From there, I feel like Tai Tuivasa and everybody else kind of are like in the same category, right? You have Tai Tuivasa, Derek Lewis, Alexander Volkov, uh, Jarzinho Rosenstruck, uh, Marcin Tabura, Chris Dacus, Sergei Spivak, Alexander Romanov, uh, Blag uh, Blagoy Ivanov, uh, so it's like all those people in that same category where, you know, all those people can kind of play and, and they can all end up within the top 15 different spots. But from Tom Aspinall on for me, like that, like you said, that's a roadblock. Like that's the, the elite of the elite right there. And, and beyond the roadblock part, it's like the UFC cannot schedule heavyweight fights right now, especially in the top, what, eight, like nobody wants to fight each other. Nobody wants to give up their ranking, which is sort of understandable, the top five are just impossible to book. Yep. Yeah, something always going on. Uh, when does that change? You know, like as a UFC, do you, when, when do you put your foot down and say, hey, like if you're inactive X amount of time, you're off the rankings? Well, they're trying like to do it. that. They're trying to force John and, and Ganu's hand right now with the whole, we're booking this fight. We're going to do all this promo for it. We're going to sort of faux announce it. And then if you don't do it, we're just going to throw um, – not Derek Lewis, uh, Curtis Blaze. Curtis Blaze? Yeah. Yeah, we'll so see I think what they're going to do a lot more of that. All right. Enough talking about uh, our boy that got taken out last night. That's sad. Uh, and we'll talk about somebody else. I've been super high on this guy. He's been an underdog, and I don't know how many fights in a row. I've picked him as a dog every single time, and he's coming through for me. That's Roman Delize, uh facing Jack Hermanson last night. Uh, Roman Deleuze had taken this on short notice, I think one week notice. Um, and because Brunson fell out, right? Yes, because Brunson fell out, so still took my boy Roman Deleuze. He was in the states, anyways. 
Uh, he usually trains in Georgia, and he just happened to be in training with, I believe it was Pavlovich. Uh, they were not saying, America, uh, Georgia. You're no. Georgia. <laughs> yes. Thank you for clarifying that. He's not chilling in Atlanta. You know what I mean? Uh, but uh, yeah. yes. So he was already in the States. He said, sure, I'll take the fight. And what a perfect opportunity. Because like I said, I've been so, so high on the lead day. Uh, so to see him get a crack at, uh, you know, the top 10 rankings, uh, I, I was super excited for a man. Super excited. And he made the most of it. I lost your sound. Give me one second. There we go. Yeah, no worries. Right, I'm back. You're back? Yeah, so no, I was just saying, yeah. uh, you know, getting a crack at the, the top 10 rankings and he made the most of it, man. Yeah, and I don't know if you or any of the fans that watch this play Pokemon, but both of these two have Intimidate as their their trait. Like, they are <laughs> the most intimidating human beings I have ever seen stand around. That is hilarious. So, hey, they don't have you were talking fight. about They're just like – You are talking about lengthy fighters, and Hermanson is able to cover so much ground with one step because he'd be like, I don't know, five, six feet away – he take one giant step and come in with that calf kick, and he covered half the octagon. It seemed like, and he caught yep. Delize over and over and over again with that calf kick to start off. Uh, Delize though, man, hey, my, my boy, dude, I'm telling you, I love Roman Delize. He can come in, so you know, with the shovel hooks, with a sneaky jab. You know, he can mix it up so well, man. I, I'm, dude, Delize to the moon, bro. Delize to the yeah. moon. Also, he's one of the few fighters in the UFC who have won any form of um, ADCC. It, it may have not been the whole thing. He won ADCC Asia. But, no way. dude, that's so fucking talented. That's it. And uh, we got Rich uh, chiming in here saying both. Scarlet or Violet Toasty. Oh. I get both packs every single generation. Man, that's, Since that's red uh, and blue. commitment right there. That's commitment right there. Uh, so, <laughs> I honestly, I don't know anything about uh, Pokemon. Uh, other than uh, you got to do that to me. I like the uh, the guy with the little fire tail. He said he said he said Pokemon, dude. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) I'm trying to not get him through my my camera. (laughs) Oh man, thanks, Rich. (laughs) Hey, you you mentioned uh, you bring up Charmander. Uh, I always tell everybody that if I ever have a daughter, my first daughter, her first name is going to be Charm, and her middle name is going to be Ander. Oh dang, that's legit. That's that's commitment right there. Uh, but yeah, so uh, delete day man. Have you ever seen that where somebody catches somebody in a calf slicer and ends up in top position on their back and keeps the the calf slicer in there like that? No, but that's because nobody in the fucking world is going to last that long in that deep of a calf slicer. That was crazy. <laughs> So Jack okay, so, like, I'm a black belt. You're going to just kill me because I'm not going to tap. We we have the lead day that ends up on his back. And the lead day on his back, like I said, he's a crafty fighter. Here's a picture of, of him landing a shovel hook, uh, which you could see him making the adjustments on the angle that his shot was coming in. But he throws up an arm bar. Doesn't land, right? Reverse triangle. Look tight. Hermanson's able to get out. She's like, sure, you're giving Upside me a Upside down triangle. Reverse triangle from the back. Yes, yes, you're right. My bad. Upside down triangle. And then he's go. he goes through, he grabs his leg, and you're like, okay, he might be going for a leg lock. Hermanson tries to sneak out and like kind of like step around. And he's like, oh, you give me a calf slicer. That's cool. And he Hermanson lets go of the arm, which gives Delize a better leverage, rolls over in pain because you could see him squeaming like in his face immediately. And 
the ground and pounding. Oh, God. Now, you talk about this guy being intimidating. Rich, can you show the next one? No, show the next picture. Look at that man's <laughs> face. Look at that man's face, dude. He Nightmare is trying to fuel. take your soul with every punch he's landing, dude. It was so scary. Delize, my guy, dude. Like I said, Delize to the moon. Let's do this. Yep, so now absolutely. that man is going to be a problem for <laughs> anybody in the division. And I think in that little scramble that cost Jack the most was like mentally, I think he thought that he could do uh, this like knee slide that has been going around a lot. Uh, he kind of lifts his leg and then just sort of tries to slide out the bottom leg that's trapped. But then as soon as he did that, he was like, Oh, it's not moving. You could see it. And then at that point he kind of like released his hand, which is like, exactly what kind of gave it up and then deletes it goes and grabs him and he's like oh no this man's an octopus i can't get out <laughs> look at that face man so scary uh so now uh, and i love the post-fight interview where um dc's like hey with that fight you're breaking into the top 15 and deletes looks like such a cool guy he's like top 10 <laughs> <laughs> and then, then dc's like yeah you're right man probably a top 10 because jack Hermanson was ranked eight uh so you ask me man just pop him, pop him in there. Pop him right in top eight. You Why can not? leave him at 15, and he could still fight anybody in the top five, and it'd be deserved. Do it. Do it. I love him, man. Like I said, I love Leeds. I'm so excited to see who his next fight is. My guy took this in a one-week notice. Uh, you know, give him somebody in the top seven with the full training camp. See what happens. See what happens. What's also was really cool about this fight is usually when you match up two grapplers, you get, like, a couple of different things, either – they're on the ground the whole time. And it's sort of exciting with scramblers um, for people who know about grappling. Or you get Maya versus Askren, which is the worst stand-up mm -hmm. battle in the world. This was exciting in all aspects. And both of them were doing great standing and on the bottom. Such a fun fight, man. Such a fun yeah. fight. All right. Uh, do we still have a lot of fights to cover? We've got 15 minutes left before we hit that hour mark. Uh, so we'll, we'll kind of blow through some of these other fights. Uh, before awesome. this one, we had Eric uh, Anders versus Kyle Dawkins. Uh, the Dawkins brothers, I'm just going to go out there and say it. I feel like they've been overrated. you know. So uh, this was an easy pick for me when I went through and I picked uh, Anders. Uh, Anders coming back from uh, a neck injury. But I thought that, uh, that Anders had the power and the speed in his hands to be able to take Dawkins out. Yeah, it was like a precision versus power battle, like very typical. And the power broke his nose immediately, and he could not recover. Yeah, man, he dropped Dawkins a couple times. Uh, I didn't understand why Anders, after he dropped Dawkins, uh, kept on playing into this little, you know, uh, work that Dawkins was doing off his back. If I'm Anders, I pull uh, uh, Holland and I step back and say, "Get up, make the ref stand him back up, and let's do it." Right? Because I felt like, uh, especially after the first knockdown, he gave Dawkins too much time to recover. Because I think he, he could have finished it if uh, if he would just let him stand back up. But Anders said, man, he's trying to be more patient. You know, it's it's probably one of those things where the coach had been instilling patience into him. And he's like, all right, I'm going to show you what you told me to do. And I'll still drop him later on. <laughs> exactly. It's probably confidence in those hands, too. Oh, for sure, man. And uh, one of the best nicknames still in the game. Yeah, boy. Come on, man. It's better than some of the other ones I've heard. Like, there's yeah. some bad nicknames in the UFC. 
There is. Your boy, Eric Anders, though, comes through with the win, uh, stopping uh, Kyle Dawkins. By the way, I think it was nine of 14 fights, I think, that were finishes. Yeah. In Orlando, they got spoiled, Very, man. They, they got spoiled. Well, it was a stacked right. card, too. It was, dude. I mean, on paper, it was stacked, and then it delivered, too. That's mm -hmm. always fun. That's always fun. And it still uh, lost well, two, two fights that were going to be exciting as well. Very true, man. I'll, I'm sad about one of the fights. We'll cover it later. But uh, we had uh, Philip Rowe versus Nico Price. Uh, Nico Price is, is one of my favorite guys to watch, man. Same. Like, I love Nico. And it sucks to see him come back after a long injury and then pull a man who looks like he is two times his size. Oh, my God. He looked massive in there. It looked massive. like watching – uh, UFC like or a WWE video game where like you make a created character and just max out the stats for that division, like yeah, um, size wise, and then you fight a regular person. Dude, he is absolutely massive next to him. Roe is massive next to Price, and you could see some of the reach. Uh, Roe seemed a little bit faster. He was showboating a lot that first round, man. And I thought to myself, oh, the disrespect. Because he, he must not know that Nico Price is an absolute dog, man. So you know what? Get your little dances going on right now, your little funny faces you're making or whatever, and Nico Price is going to make this a grueling fight. And he did. That third round, mm -hmm. Philip Rowe comes out. He looks exhausted. We, we talk about Holland's uh, demeanor changing. Rowe's demeanor changed coming on that third, man. Like his eyes were a little bit more wide because he was probably thinking like, oh, shit, man, like I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight, fight yep. right now. And Nico Price comes out and just empties the tank, lands a couple solid shots. He made an adjustment uh, because, you know, Rose so big, and this is the adjustment I was about to talk about, coming in over with the hook instead of straight, uh, which was a nice adjustment uh, because uh, Rose, see how he's leaning back, was kind of using his shoulder sometimes to kind of try to parry that a, a little bit. Uh, but like uh, Nico Price, man. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But without the hand. But without the hand. And uh, he used his face instead to stop a couple of those fists. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, Nico Price, man, just empties the tank. And I thought for a second there, I thought, like, he's got it. He's got this. Come on, Nico Price. I'm super excited. And gas went empty. Yeah, I think the gas went empty because if you watch that first round, he, did, he does this thing where he kind of jumps off the mat when he comes with his backhand. And when you're lifting your whole body off the mat to throw that, one, you're losing power, and two, you're using a lot of energy to move Spending your energy. entire yeah. weight off the floor. So if uh -huh. I feel like if he had just planted on those punches, he was missing anyway on the first first round. If he had just planted and thrown, I think he would have had that bit of energy to at least survive the third and then maybe <clears throat> at the end of it put it on him like he was doing at the beginning of the third. Ah, man, I – uh, it was a frustrating one because, like I said, I just thought it was so close, so close. A hey, shout out, DL. Thanks for joining us live, man. Joining Tosi and I, greatly appreciate it. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, Nico Price, he's getting up there in age too, man. We'll see what happens with him next. Uh, Roe, uh, hopefully, was um, humbled a little bit in that third round, and uh, we'll see what happens from here. But uh, Roe, I think, was a hometown boy. They were saying right from uh, from that area, in Florida. I think so. Yeah. I did right a, not right. listen to a lot of the commentary. I tried my best. Also, I went to uh, a restaurant to watch the fights with my with my lady. Um, oh, and nice. It was good to not hear them talk about the hoopla they like to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> there was some funny stuff. Bisping, 
Bisping can be a funny guy sometimes, man. John Anik, I'm sure – I'm going to just take a guess. Probably talked about half the fighter's children. <laughs> Still one of Anik's best moments in, <laughs> as an announcer. Both of them fighting child custody. Uh, and I'm like, <laughs> wait, what? What? <laughs> All right, man. We'll go on to the next one here. Uh, so you know how I said Dalide is my boy? We're about to talk about my girl right now, Angela Hill. Uh, I've been preaching Angela Hill for the longest time. I think she's a couple of bad split decisions away from being ranked top six, top five in that division. Uh, but she faced Emily Ducati. Yeah. I would rather Angela Hill any of the day than um, Chikagian. And I think they promote Chikagian way more than they should. Angela Hill is a dog. And I don't know who uh, Dakota's coaches are, but someone's got to tell them that Angela likes to clinch. She yeah. is a Muay Thai fighter, and she will throw knees the entire time. Especially if you let her. You can't. You know what I mean? you get put in the clinch, just be like, this, this is good enough. We're good. It was such a dominant performance, though, for Angela Hill, man. And I think it was a performance that she needed because, like I said, she's been on the bad side of a couple of a, a bad split decisions or Sal, Sal Diamato decisions, as I like to call them. Uh, and man, it, yeah. And so to have a like a clear, decisive win against somebody else that's ranked with a performance that she had, one of the best performances that I've seen from Angela Hill, nonstop pressure, mixing up her strikes well, you know. Um, and Ducati had a really hard time, you know, moving left and right. You know, she was just moving straight back, which gave Angela Hill the ability to kind of blitz in with like a three-hook combo and just blitz straight. So yep. the, the footwork from Ducati wasn't really there, and Angela Hill took full advantage. And once she caught her, like you said, in that Muay Thai clinch, dude, Ducati was lost. She could not Absolutely. get out of that clinch. And, you know, I, I mess around Jeez. saying, like, especially if you let her, she didn't want a letter, of course, but she just didn't have an answer for it. Correct. Yeah. You you have to put something out there, especially if the first time or three first three times you try to do the same defense, it doesn't work. Try anything else. Shoot a takedown. Push anything. your hips out instead of in. Throw something as she's like standing there holding you. Anything else. Foot trip. Dude, uh, she, she's... I'm sure she's very sore today. Her ribs must be in massive pain. Uh, and like I said earlier, uh, DL joined us here live. So DL, uh, if you just joined us, man, let us know what your favorite fight of the night was uh, on the comments there. And we'll see if it uh, matches up with what we said earlier today. But uh, before that fight, before Angela Hill's fight, we had uh, Michael Johnson versus uh, Jacasey. Yeah, I, I was so excited for this one because earlier this year, I actually got to meet Michael Johnson personally. I got to shake those stone hands he's got. It's awesome. It's man. so cool to see him get what he deserves. A good fucking decision, finally, instead of getting Khabib or all these <laughs> other people that like just use him as a springboard. But he's so talented he's so good yep and hey so let me ask you cool dude Is he cool absolutely dude? like it, there's so many people that were walking up to him to talk and you know eventually it kind of gets annoying just in general but 
he didn't seem that way. He was like happy to see everyone. He, he you came up and he was on his phone. Oh, what's up, man? Hey, hey, how's it going? Oh, that's awesome, man. That's so cool. I love it. Uh, I love to hear stuff like that. But uh, Michael Johnson, so you saw it in the picture where they're weighing in and the facing off. Uh, he has a smirk on his face. Like, Jacasey has no idea what he's getting himself into right now. At all. And same thing like Roe. Jacasey, that first round, was feeling himself a little too much. You know what I mean? And coming out of that first round, I thought like, hey, it's not a super clear, decisive round. Yeah, for, the commentary, that was the one I listened to. And I'm like, why are you guys thinking that he decisively won that? It, it wasn't like super, super clear. I still think he won it. I thought I thought he did enough, but I didn't think it was enough for him to be dancing around and showboating and stuff. And then uh, sec yeah, second and third round, man, uh, I feel like he got a, a hang of his head movement. You know, and so even when Jacasey was, you know, bobbing left and right, uh, he was able to meet him with a jab on every angle. And setting up his uh, his one two, which he's really good at, man. And uh, I, I at the end when they announced thirty twenty seven for Johnson, I was like, oh no, here we go, bad decision. Because like I said, I thought Jacasey had done enough to win that first round, uh, but no, uh, you you had a 29-28, and a thirty twenty seven. Uh, and props to Michael Johnson, man, for getting back on the win column. Yep, very very happy to see this fight. Uh, maybe Jacasey will go back into the training room and be like. Less confidence, more skills. <laughs> I like it, man. Uh, DL says, I uh, was not expecting that tie to Ivasa loss. Man, uh, look, Pavlovich, 17-1 and now. You know, so he was 16-1 going in. He has the skill set. He's a massive, massive man. He's fast for his size. I knew that he'd give Tai to Ivasa some problems, but like you, DL, I was expecting Tai to Ivasa to sneak a big right hand in and, and take uh, Pavlovich out, man. It, uh, both... Uh, Toasty and I already cried about the uh, the loss, so we're in, we're in mourning. We are, man. Uh, all right, so before that fight – oh, by the way, we skipped Guida versus uh, Holtzman. Just want to give a quick shout-out to Guida. Uh, props to him, man. Gets another win in his illustrious career. About to turn 41, dude, in the next four days, I believe, if I remember correctly. So uh, early happy birthday to Mr. Uh, Guida because we, we know he listens to the podcast to all the time, so – it gives credence to all the people that say that, like, oh, they need to do these older fighters better on the way out. You gave mm. an older fighter, another older fighter, you didn't give him to a young lion. You can do it. Yep. True. Good call, man. Good call. Uh, all right. Uh, next, we had uh, Darren Elkins versus uh, Pierce. <sighs> man. So I, I know his nickname's The Damage. Uh, I've always called him Darren <laughs> Takes Damage Elkins. Yeah. Um, this one was a tough one to watch, man. Elkins is so awkward. And from the first round, he has like this body movement where like he looks labored and he looks lethargic. Um, he looks like he's been rocked before he's even been hit. Uh, and it's just like a really weird fight style that he has. He leaves himself open so much for shots. And every Elkins fight that I've ever watched, do you know what the number one thing they talk about? With Elkins? Heart. His toughness and his yeah, heart. Yeah. Every single time. Every single fight. I can't think of one Elkins fight that I haven't watched where they don't focus on his toughness. That's not something you really want to be known for, man. I mean, it's something that you can be known for, and, and it can be a positive, but it can't be the only thing you're known for. Well said. Perfectly said. I, I absolutely agree. Because you do have to be tough to be a fighter, right? Some are tougher than others. But 
when that's <laughs> that's your main thing, man. And everybody knows, oh, oh, he could take a beating. He's so tough. And that's that's gonna be like the first kick he took because immediately he started bleeding. Right away. And look at by the way, Pierce, this was the look on his face the entire time. I felt like he was like, Hey, I'm in a I'm like in a sparring match right now. Not much on the line. You know what I mean? We're we're moving around. We're landing some shots, getting ready for a fight. Uh, it, look at him. He looks so calm in there. He almost yep. looked bored. You know, so a little bit. Yeah, I think he was. He kind of knew the dis, knew the results beforehand, like in his mind, and he was just like, ah, uh, clock in, clock out. I'm just like, he comes in tired to work, and he's just like, are we done yet? Yeah, exactly. I still got. 15 minutes of my shift left. This sucks. Um, that meme where you're like, oh, I'm ready to go home. And you look up and you still got three hours left. Yeah, that that's that was Pierce for sure. Now, the, the, when I was watching both the fighters, the thing I continue thinking was balance and unbalance. When you see his base, Pierce's base, the entire time as he's throwing a strike, as he's moving in and out versus – the base or or lack thereof from Elkins, like that's the entire thing I focused on this entire fight because it was just so evident to me, man. So evident. The thing that was evident to me was, like you said, he's off balance, but he shouldn't be. He's a wrestler. He should have mm. a good base. Like he's a state champion wrestler from high school. He doesn't use it, and I I hate to say this. But I think it might be because of all the damage he's taken. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's no equilibrium there anymore. And it kind of sucks that you say the damage he's taken because that's his nickname. Yeah. Yeah. But it is what it is, dude. All right. <laughs> let's, let's, oh, by the way, look at that picture. Oh, dude. God. What a picture. And you say what you will about Elkins. You talked to, earlier, you said, hey, this is an entertainment business as well. And as much as I say the only thing you ever hear about Elkins is how tough he is, you know what? I'll I'll never miss an Elkins fight. I'll tell you that. At all. Ever. You know what I mean? So uh, props to also, Elkins in that sense. The other person who learned from this fight is Dan. Hey, Dan, when you stand people up, you put them back down. Ah, rough night. Rough night for Dan Mergliata last night. He looked good, Can't though. He's, get, he's losing a lot of weight. Well, that's good. <laughs> How's it move around the octagon a little more? Uh, all right, we're going to skip uh, Natan Levy versus Hinato Valdez for the sake of time. And we're going to talk about Francis Marshall and his UFC debut against Marcelo Rojo. Um, man, uh, first Marshall looked very, very tense. And then that second round, you could see that he loosens up a little bit more and he, he opens up, man. Uh, what do you think about Marshall? I thought that... One of the few commentary things that were said were pretty accurate. It was in this fight is like, it's his debut finally on a big show with a full crowd. That place was packed mm. almost at the beginning. And he definitely had the jitters. You could see it. He didn't have the same motion he did in the second. Um, his eyes were sort of like not glazed over, but like they weren't moving. Like he was just like fixated on a single point. Yeah. Point. And, um, you definitely see after he got that control in the first, he was like, oh, this is just like every fight. Yeah, I know how to do this. I'm yeah, here for exactly. a reason. Man, um, I for me, since the very beginning, I thought Rojo was so worried about the takedown. Because any threat, even of a level change, you saw a huge reaction from Rojo. 
Now, on one of those, Marshall does go in with a level change. Rojo doesn't sprawl all the way, but pushes down on Marshall's shoulders. And when Marshall stands back up, as he's pushing down the shoulders, came in with an elbow. And I thought, that's slick, man. Very slick from Rojo. Great game planning there. Uh, and then that second round comes along, like you said, he he finally realized, you know, like, I, I've been doing this for so long. This is like any other fight. Let me do what I do best. I thought, like, hey, Marshall's doing a good job of rolling with the punches as Rojo's coming in. But on one of those, he wasn't rolling with the punches. He was cocking his right hand back as far as he could and comes back and lands one right on Rojo. And, uh, dude, that was all she wrote, man. Rojo was done after that. Nasty ground and yeah. pound, too, to finish it up. It didn't look like Rojo was ready to take too many punches that fight. I mean, it was like the first big connection. He kind of got wobbled. And then as soon as that happened, he was like, oh, I can't do any of these. I can't take any of these. Yeah. But, man, Marshall was throwing everything he had into those hooks, it seemed like. He threw a couple hooks to the body. Oh, my God. But I'm excited to see Marshall. Again, that was his first fight in the UFC. Uh, Marcelo Rojo, uh, he's had a a rough go uh, as of late. Uh, but he's 16 to nine, man, you know, so he's a veteran in there. Uh, and, uh, you know, the last names he's lost to Charles Jordan, no slouch, Kyler Phillips, no slouch. Uh, so he's gone up against some tough names in the UFC, man. You know, uh, he's still waiting for his first UFC win though. Who knows? I, I hope he doesn't get cut after this, you know, cause you lose two in a row and then you lose a third in a row to a, a newcomer. Uh, we'll see what happens, man. That we'll tends to happens. be the UFC's MO. Right. It does. I'm hoping to keep him in there Happened for one to my more boy, fight. Noelli. Oh, really? Exact same yeah. thing, huh? Noelli and me went to high school together. Oh, right on, man. I didn't know that. Yeah. Right on. All right. Uh, last fight we're going to talk about, uh, Yasmin Haragüe versus Estela Nunes. Hell of a way to open up one? the card. Oh, my God. After this, if you're like, the rest of the card's going to be like this, I'm good. Yep. I'm good. Uh Nunes lands a big right hand counter right on the the nose of uh Haragui, which sat her on her ass. She paused back up. Dude, this Yasmin girl though, she is now 10 and 0, and she's got stones for hands, man. She looks like she has so much power, and especially for that weight division at 115 pounds to see these girls cracking like this, dude. I'm excited for Nunes still, even though she lost this fight, because she showed up really well, I think. Uh, at the end, uh, I think it was just Yasmin that made a couple more adjustments, uh, you know, to be able to land a couple more combos. Um, she had a beautiful combo of this right, right left, and then uh, calf kick. Right hook, left hook, calf kick, which worked really well against Nunes a couple times. She's only 23 years old, man. 23. Yeah, the, the big word for me in this fight was adjustments. It seemed like Nunes was just doing the same thing over and over, which worked at the beginning. But once the other one makes an adjustment, if you don't adjust back, yeah, doesn't usually end well for you. Yeah, and I think it's like that in every sport, right? You you see NFL teams, for example, going to halftime, and if they're able to make the right adjustments, they come back stronger. If they're they're down by a lot of points, and then the, the if the other team doesn't make any adjustments, they continue running the exact same thing. And guess what? The defensive coordinator figures something out to stop you at that point. So, uh, and it's the exact same thing in fighting, man. Every single time they go in, they sit down in that corner. Right. How many times does your, your corner toasty tell you, Hey, you know, this is what we noticed this round. This is what you should do this next round. Is it every time? Yep. Uh, well, every time that something isn't going your way or they don't think that the other person's going to change, like, or they think the other person's going to change. If they think that the person's kind of like, I, this is what I do and I'm just going to do it. 
they usually tell you to keep doing the same thing, but that's very unlikely to happen. Like you said, if you're if you're doing these sports, usually you're you or your team are making those adjustments. So if you don't make an adjustment in between that, it's usually a detriment. Yep. Yep. And basketball, the, the only, football, baseball, everything. Oh, every sport, right? Uh the everything only thing like that golf. I did see with uh with except for what? Golf. <laughs> An hey, activity, dude, not a sport. Wait, oh <laughs> dang, dude, you went there, huh? <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh the only thing I would say with Yasmin is uh on that combo that I was talking about with the right hook, left hook, uh left hook uh calf kick. I did notice she'd come in right, left, throw a calf kick, and when she do throw the calf kick, her leg, her arms would come straight down and her face would be sticking out. That's when she got caught with that shot that, that dropped her. But like I said, she was able to make some of those adjustments. She wasn't leaving her face that far out and her arms were still staying a little bit nice and tight uh, as she was throwing that calf kick uh, second round on. So, uh, but dude, like you said, started off the night very well for UFC fight night in Orlando, got everything going. And uh, that was it, man. We've covered 12 fights, Toasty. Yeah, we're, we're good well, at this fight. now. I'm getting my footing. <laughs> All right. And uh, I think uh, Rich, our producer, Rich the Casual, uh, has the – Yeah, uh, man. It's time to move on to out. everyone's favorite part of the show, administrative <laughs> detail, <laughs> which you know includes the fights that we lost. Uh, and so we only have yeah. two this time, which is the shortest that I've ever seen. Um, so <laughs> you have to tell me. I actually have a question about these. So Tracy yeah, Cortez up? was supposed to fight Amanda Hibas. Uh, mm -hmm. What fight replaced this fight? Because I didn't see either of them fight, I don't think. It didn't get them. a replacement fight. It just that they moved other fights into the main card. Oh, okay, gotcha. And then yeah. secondly – And oh, by the way, that was going to be a fun one too. I was, that, it was Earlier I said there was one that I was going to be bummed out about. This one was going to be a really fun fight too. Uh, I was looking forward to it. Uh, both of them, little cutie pies. Uh, that's outside <laughs> the fact though because they both – can throw hands. Tracy Cortez, by the way, did she get married already to Brian Ortega? Yeah, they're married. Can you imagine the babies that those two are going to have? First off, they're going to be gorgeous. Okay, second, murderous. they're going to come out with little gloves on. They're going to come out with little gloves on. Murderous. That's insane. Absolute uh, murderers, dude. And then uh, second, we had Derek the Brunson Burner Brunson versus Jack Hermanson. <laughs> Would you say... <laughs> Wait, what? What? Do you ever heard that? The Brunson Burner? Uh, but have you ever heard... Uh, what I wanted to ask was... Would you think that this fight would have been uh, more exciting than the one that we got from Jack Hermanson that you guys talked about no. earlier? So no. we're winners here. Everyone's a winner? Yes. yes. You know who's the biggest winner? Delize. Delize. I'm <laughs> so happy Derek Brunson pulled out of this because everybody got to see my boy's talent, Delize's talent. Like I said, Delize to the moon. We got this. Yeah. Delize and Brunson are like complete opposites, but like the same. They're both super talented, but – Brunson Different, is not entertaining, and Delize is super entertaining. I love it. I love it. It couldn't uh, have worked out better. Perfect, perfect. And then we have the bonuses coming up. Well, maybe the bonuses being anyway. Stephen Thompson versus Kevin Hall. Y'all mentioned uh, they got fight of the night. Performance well of the night deserved. went to Tai Tuivasa versus Sergey Pavlovich. $50,000 to Pavlovich. And then performance of the night. Uh, Roman Delize, of course, you guys sang all his praises already, and I wanted to bring that photo up again, but it's way far back in the in the list. But the, 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 <laughs> that you look know. you get when you get a bonus, you know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that look, yes, exactly. Yeah, fifty thousand dollars. This punches one was right a there. tough one, man. Uh, seeing this one here, Rich, because nine out of twelve fights had finished, fin or nine out of fourteen fights had finishes. Yeah, dude, give him the That's finish bonus. Insane. 
Give Why everyone not? the finish We've bonus. seen it before. We've seen it before where everybody that finishes on such a good card gets a bonus. So you know what? It'll mess I, up the I budget, know. dude. It, it will mess up the we're, going, we're in right. the last quarter trying to be in the green <laughs> well, before dude at the same the time or whatever at the same time we don't know if that was given it's like we've seen but we don't know when it hasn't happened we don't know if That's they didn't true. give all these people bonuses like i could definitely see uh, the two ladies getting in the back and dana just going here you go yeah which, it, which uh, we've heard happens we've heard yeah. it happens quite a bit fighters have said all the time that Dana uh, is known to go back there and just write a check and hand it off. So, and like you know, it's only in California where we get all the financial, you know, uh, details. Yes, so. details. Um, but even then, if 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 he goes over there and hands you a gift as a boss and it's off payroll, guess what? Exactly. You just got fifty no k non-taxed. Uh, then then you can take it to your local meat market, cash it out, and then uh, go bet on fights. You're good. Exactly. In honor in the of the uh, sometimes called TMZ Will, we have a, a breaking tweet, guys. From TMZ Will, yes. yeah, Ariel Hawani. He says, "And do you guys know about this guy? What is? Let me read this again. Do you know about this guy named um, James Krause? The James Krause? Oh, you know about geez. this guy? <laughs> uh, Never yeah, heard so he of says, him. UFC's chief business officer Hunter Campbell has just informed all fighters that effective immediately." Fighters who choose to continue to be coached by James Krause or continue to train in his gym will not be permitted to participate in UFC events. So, Toasty, cross that one off the list. You can't join this dude wherever wherever he's at. <laughs> Gosh darn it. The, the big question I have about all of this, about this specific situation, is what are they going to do about Moreno versus Figgy? Because Brandon mm. just started going over there and training. Are they mm. really going to clear uh, what the fourth fight for these people? Man, I, I I think if you're Moreno, you just jump jump ship, right? It's a single oh, yeah, ship he's got now. The money too. He's got the money. He'll go somewhere else. He's already in uh, Las Vegas. Uh, maybe you go to uh, you know Couture. Uh, I I don't know, man. Uh, maybe he goes back to TJ just to train. Yeah. Um, but this is crazy. He's got right? because thirty four been... pro fights. Pro fighters wow. at, from that gym, so there's a lot of scrambling that's going to have to do. Did you guys so, mention what he did? Like, <laughs> well, for he, people like me, Campbell. Oh, there was okay. a Derek Minner, right? There was a fight that we covered a few weeks back. Rich, uh, you're probably playing Nintendo Switch in the black background while uh, Will and I were uh, talking about the fight. But it was a very weird fight because he goes into the first round. The very first kick he throws, he steps back and starts holding his knee. The other guy mm. rushes in. Minner comes back in with the exact same knee and kicks the exact same knee, and then he falls back in massive pain, fights over. What's really weird about that, though, is that they took a look at Vegas bet lines, and right before the fight started, bets started skyrocketing for Derek Minner's opponent like hours before the uh, fight started. So the word is, okay, maybe Derek Minner knew he had this injury before he went in there. James Krause knew he had this injury before he went in there. They knew that this was going to end in this fashion so maybe james Krause put word out there for a lot of people that hey bet the house on derek minner's opponent because you're going to make a lot of money right so and another caveat to that that is he was on ariel's show i think two or three weeks before that <laughs> yeah this is the best had part openly admitted that he makes more money betting on fights than he does coaching or cornering yes wow. And uh, Ariel Hawani asked him, do you bet on your own fighters and your fights? And he goes, 
Yes. So this leads me to believe that after the investigation, what the investigation has been uh, or on the investigation has been done so far, Nevada has enough information to say, well, we're suspending his license. We're suspending James Krause license, right? Canada has now said, Hey, we're banning betting on, on mixed martial arts. Well, and I'm after tired. all this happened, after all this happened, then UFC is like, Oh, we got to do something about this. Um, yeah. Hey, don't train with uh, James Krause anymore. Anybody that trains with James Krause, <laughs> uh, you're not going to fight with us. So it's just James Krause, in my mind, He's is so one of the too. best coaches in the UFC, man. One of the best coaches. He's able to get so much out of his fighters, you know, and uh, I don't think that he's fixing fights. I don't think that at all. Correct. But what I do think is that he has some of this inside information, which he leveraged to make extra money, like he did in yep. this last fight. Uh, which is also, yep, <laughs> yes, which can also be a, a big, uh, a big no-no, right? Um, so we'll see what happens with James Krause. It's unfortunate uh, for me. UFC is losing one of the the best coaches that they have. These fighters are losing an excellent coach, and for any of these fighters that live in that area in the Kansas uh, City area, uh, now have to go find a new home. Yeah, it really sucks for the lower end ones that like don't have the money or live in that exact area, and that's their only option. Yeah. Only so what do you option. do, right? Like, do you continue fighting there and fighting in smaller organizations or lower organizations because, uh, you know, you don't know if you'll make it to the UFC or not? But if you're also like, let's say that you're in the at the cusp and you're like, I think I'm right there and I could probably make it. At that point, you have to, right? Tosi, you have to jump ship. I think the easiest option and the way to like sort of just skirt this sort of bureaucracy that's happening is you just list like your garage or something like that as your gym. Mm. Like you just list somewhere else and you don't bring Krauss to the fights. Cause mm. I mean, what are they going to do? Send someone to watch you train, not at glory. Yeah. That, that I mean, good. it's not a good answer, but that is an answer. I mean, very similar to like COVID when it was banned in certain cities and you couldn't train. Right. And people were still training out of the garage or something else. You're right. Um, also I found out that he has, uh, a discord and I'm actually really sad that I hadn't joined his discord before that. Cause I probably would have bet on, uh, <laughs> Minner's opponent myself. <laughs> hey, HLB Cobra shout out. He says, hello, beautiful people. Krause is a big drama show. Yes. In the words of, uh, of, uh, who is that boxer? Triple G, right? Big drama show. He yeah. was also involved in the Megan Sanko drama. He was walking around with a Richard, uh, Mill watch. I remember wondering where Megan. he's getting all that money from. Uh, Megan Anderson, yes. Um, I'm and DL coming through says, I'm wondering if Krauss will ever take any responsibility. Uh, man, at a certain point, right? Like, and I'm with you, HLB Comer, like, because he talks about all his real estate investments. He talks about all the uh, stock investments he made. And I was like, man, he must have must have made a lot of money off tough. No, wait, they don't really get paid for that. He must have made a lot of money off his fights. Wait, no, I think he was still like 25, 25. I don't know. And like he said, his coaching, the only like champion that he has right now is Brandon Moreno. And that was the first champion that they've had. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. And, oh, DL saying his Discord and YouTube are gone. Too late for me. Too late. No more inside info for me. What am I going to do? Hey, but you know what? Without James Krause, I still went 12 and 14 last night, Toasty. I'm hanging my uh, my hat on that. You know, I'm super proud of that. Uh, and we're not going to talk about mine. Said, <laughs> we're not going <laughs> to. 
for anybody that has uh, just joined us or first joined us, I'm sorry. Uh, please like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, uh, Podcast, Radio Public, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, anywhere podcasts are found. Anchor FM on there is as well. Uh, I think you can also find us on social media, uh, which is like TikTok. I think we still have a Facebook that's open, right? You have a Facebook uh, group, but you don't have a like a profile. Oh, we, we don't. Okay, so we don't have a Facebook profile. See, Toasty, thank you for letting me know that. So maybe yeah, I was the, trying to look there, for you guys. I can't remember what it was because I was trying to tag you in mine. And I was like, yeah, yeah. oh, they only have a group. <laughs> it goes to show how much we know. All right. Well, I guess we have to start a profile. But yeah, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, we haven't been kicked off TikTok yet. Reddit, uh, I don't think Will has gone as banned off that yet. Uh, you can find us live on Twitch also. But yeah, that's where we're at so far. Uh, we also have storyofthefight.com, which I believe gives you a link to all the things that we just mentioned. Uh, special, special shout out to Mr. Andrew Tosti, also known as Andrew Toasty, the double champ. Thank you so much for filling in for Will, man. Uh, uh, real quick, like I, said, I also have a, a fight that just got booked. Uh, February 25th oh. will be in Milpitas at West Coast Elites. Um, they'll start selling tickets, or I'll start selling tickets at the end of December. Right on, man. So another fight that's booked in February. You, you're active, man. You're an active fighter, bro. If I was in the PFL, bro, I'd be in the I'd be in the rankings. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Well, thank you again, uh, Toasty. I really appreciate you filling in. A special shout out out there to HLB Comer. Special shout out to DL. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, and of course, in case you didn't know, Toasty, this podcast is produced by Richard Bustos. Yeah, yeah, shocking. That's awesome. <laughs> there, there's a sound of. Much love, Toasty. <laughs>